Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Sean Hackett. Sean, how you doing this morning? I'm pretty good, Mr. Casey. Doing really good. Feeling uh, feeling better after a little few days of sickness. Oh man, I tell you what, that cold stuff's been going all over the place. Everyone I know seems like they've got a cold or coming off of a cold or whatever. There's there's a uh, I guess, but when you go from extreme weather from one way to the other, hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold, sooner or later your body's like, I don't know what to do, so let's just get sick, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, man, there was some pretty, uh, we talk about volatility a lot, but God dang, yesterday there was volatility to the max. We had about an 18 cent swing in, in corn, I think, something like that, 17 and a half cent swing, opened up six and a half down and it took off and it was closed up uh, a little over 12, right around 12, I guess, uh, yesterday. So soybeans did the same thing. There's some, they were down pretty well and they came kind of bounced back and at least gained back what they lost for the day. But we're seeing that volatility pretty regular here now to where it's uh, not so much day-to-day volatility but interim day volatility. So talk about that a little bit and, and what you see happen in the markets. Well, I think we finally have pried the markets loose. You know, we had this bearish trade for years where the algorithm is just, just stayed short, stayed short, stayed short. We had big stocks. We didn't really, the U.S. had good weather and, and we just kept down that road. But we finally have pried loose um, the markets to where now the, the, the algorithms are no longer comfortable just being short and they're getting caught being too short at, at the wrong times. And so we're, we're starting to get the markets to move. And obviously we've had probably the worst planting season we've ever had or certainly one of the top two. And the market is unsure what to make of it all. Uh, you, know, you have people running around saying we're going to lose 15 million acres. Some saying it's only going to be five. People say we could have trend line yields. Others saying we could be down 20 bushels to the acre. When you have those wide variety of estimates from people, the market simply, you know, it's going to be changing its mind constantly like it did yesterday and not knowing what to do about it. And so this volatility is here to stay. I, we think ultimately uh, later in the year, this will lead to an upside breakout uh, from this consolidation we've been going through. But in the meantime, it's we have a long way to go. Lots of weather to trade, and the market is is probably going to be unwilling to move higher until it gets some more clarity on exactly what is the situation. But but the USDA gave it gave us their you know their best first look at it, and we now we go from there. Yeah. So. Okay. So you know, the weather again. You know, we've been talking about weather for well since January, since I had you on here the first time. Yeah, and we've been we've been having that discussion here quite a bit here of late, and we've talked about a million different angles that we're talking about here. But we are seeing not just the rain, you no know, rain. I saw watched the forecast this morning on on Ag Day, and and it, you know it, you're getting some rain back in areas that don't need it, right? Where we've surpassed one um, 
one soybean date here, uh, June 5th. we got 15th coming up here, and in three days that's going to be there. And a lot of these places that still didn't plant any corn haven't planted any soybeans yet either. You know, there's a few guys that, that have. Obviously, we've had a week of, of fairly dry weather, so um, a lot of guys got in the field, but there's still quite a few places that haven't even done anything yet. And then on the, on the adverse side of that, the southeast is as dry as it's ever been um, here of late, and they've gotten some, some rains and those kind of things too. But so – the weather is playing a huge part in, in everything we see happening here. So talk a little bit about, okay, so soybeans, obviously with the China stuff and, <clears throat> and African swine fever, I mean, obviously we don't have the, we're going to have carry out irregardless of the fact just because of there's not enough pigs in the world to, to take up the supply that we would normally have. Where do you see soybeans going? I mean, do you see soybeans having, having some, some bullish trends right now? I mean, with, with some of the planning, delays and those kind of things we see happening that some of this carryout could get chewed up by the end of the year? I don't think the planting is going to get the soybeans going. What I think is going to do happen is we need to get the weather problem in August into September for soybeans to get them going. We, we need to see that South America is going to plant 10 more million acres of corn and 10 million less acres of soybeans. You, you know, because mm-hmm. right now we have jacked up corn about as much as you can against soybeans, which is saying to South America, plant as much corn as you possibly can and don't plant soybeans. So so I think that the, the bullish story for soybeans isn't today, but it's it's the next growing cycle. Gotcha. Which starts with South America because if we keep taking all these acres off, I don't care how many pigs there are, you know, you can't chop out these kinds of acres of soybeans and say we're not gonna have dramatic reductions in soybean stocks the following season. Assuming weather's good, if we have bad weather, it could be catastrophic declines in ending stocks. So, mm-hmm. so I think corn is happening now. Soybeans is is the next growing cycle, and so we're playing the spread game of goosing corn against soybeans. What I could easily see if we get the crop planted in South America, all of a sudden they're going to start switching gears and going, "Oh my gosh, how much corn are we going to produce next year?" Whoa, mm-hmm. you know, we have this massive supply and they're going to switch gear so right now i think soybeans are going to st- continue to struggle until we get some clear evidence that august weather is going to turn out hot and dry which is really what we would need to get that market going in the near term mm-hmm. right now it looks like that could actually happen um all our work says cool and wet through july but it looks like we could be getting into uh, a flip of that uh, of that weather pattern where where it was wet it's dry where it was dry it's wet and we talk about how that happens with the grand solar cycle minimum we think we could be getting a shift to where we get a hot dry pattern in august which would be really really bad for soybeans but it's just it's just too early quite yet to trade that we need to get into the middle part of july before we get more clarity on that but but it, so i guess what i'm getting at is, is <clears throat> soybeans not likely to go down with the corn strong but i don't see soybeans outperforming over the next 30 days right so on. okay all right so the one there's one crop out there that has been kind of silently creeping up on everybody and with a little bit to no uh um real coverage and you talk about wheat you know the wheat market you know we got some some very distressed crops over in in russia right now um obviously australia has been wicked dry for as long as i've been alive i think and um you know you look at what's happening in you know eastern ukraine there's getting there have some issues over there western ukraine seems to be okay but eastern side seems to be a little bit a little bit dry um we're getting 
water in in, uh, in the key parts of the wheat belt here in the U.S. that they shouldn't that when they don't really need it. Now, yep. in my particular area, wheat looks great. I mean, we we got I mean, looks good. We're probably two weeks behind schedule just because of of some of the stuff that happened earlier, some frost and stuff like that. But for the most part, it looks pretty good um, across the board. But wheat's kind of making that that run and it's kind of bouncing around. And and how long do you think till wheat really breaks out and makes that makes that move um, higher than it's been going? <clears throat> we think it's going to happen by. We think it's going to happen within the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we see it, Oklahoma <clears throat> and Kansas, which is really the key to Kansas City wheat, for example, right? Um, very, very, very heavy rains are expected for the next two to three weeks as you're moving into key, key, key harvest time. That means two things. It means yields are going to come down, quality is going to come down. So I think we're going to have an abundant amount of low-quality wheat uh, because of these downgrades, and we're going to have a much less or much shorter supply of higher quality wheat. And of course, Kansas City wheat trades in the futures market is a certain grade that ha- that's higher quality. So, um, and, and to some extent, Minneapolis wheat would be uh, helped help by that. So, and then we look at over what's going on in Russia, the Ukraine, like you said, hot, dry, next 30 days looks really, really unfavorable. Um, and remember, last year's crop was way, way down. I think mm-hmm. it was, we're 89 down to 72 million metric tons. They were expecting a bump up to 79, 80. But if, with this dry weather, we could easily be moving back to the mid-70s, which means we wouldn't really get much of a bump up But last year's really bad crop. Uh, they had excess stocks last year to sell, mm-hmm. to keep them, but they, they, they kind of run those down, and now they don't have that excess to sell this cycle, which means their exports could come down. And so we're really, really positive uh, the wheat market, the winter wheat market. We really think uh, it's a market that could dramatically – I mean, we could go up a dollar, and corn doesn't have to go up much. You know, we're so compressed right now. If you look at KC wheat relative to the corn price, we're at the tightest ratio uh, that you're going to have over the last 45 years, which means, you know, if corn goes higher, wheat goes higher. If wheat goes higher, corn doesn't have to go higher. So either way, in the winter wheat market, you win. Mm -hmm. So if we were to play or look at a market that could outperform and should do well, we like very much – the winter wheat market, especially KC wheat. So we think that's a market to focus on for a change of leadership away from the corn market leading to uh, the winter wheat market, which has clear and present danger with weather, which corn right now we're transitioning, but we don't have a new weather problem to trade just yet. Right. So. Okay. All right. So here's something I've, I've been watching here of late because I've got forage harvesters that i need to get sell some some used ones so i've been tracking the the uh class three milk market and kind of watching what's going on there and you know i kind of quit watching it for a while because it made me depressed i don't even sell milk so i I can't imagine what it's like for the guys that are selling but over the last couple weeks i've seen about a couple dollar jump in in the price of class three milk so i think yesterday i watched it and it closed a little bit over 17 bucks 1763 or 1750 or something like that that's a that's a big turn from what it was. It was it's it's been down quite significantly lower than that. So what's going on in the milk market and and are they are the, are the herds getting cold enough now to where they're they're kind of starting to catch up with uh, some of the supply that they have? Well, I mean we you know, we had those terrible prices. Herd liquidation took place. The, the dairy cow herd shrank, um, and our milk production went negative in the U.S. I mean. Anyone that knows anything about U.S. production, it, it, going negative is extremely unusual. It, it almost never does. And, and we went negative. 
Um, and we were flat the year, the month before and flat the month, the, the month after. So that flat and negative production for three months running is highly unusual. So that's tightening the market up. However, for cow is still very, very good. Uh, so, and the herd liquidation has stopped at these higher prices. Um, and so what we're going to start to see is that the herd stabilizing and the differential from last year, this year is going to be narrowing. So we think that milk production is going to start to, to grow again. Um, and that's going to probably take the, 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 the easy punch ball away from the dairy market in the U.S. and, and, and allow supply to, to normalize a little bit. The other thing is this Mexico trade deal or that was just signed. We don't really know the details. Trump says they're going to buy a lot of agriculture. Um, we don't know what, what it actually means, but um, there's a thought process that maybe the Mexicans are going to be buying a lot of cheese, which they always have bought a lot of. Right. And they might buy a lot of non-fat dairy powder milk from the U.S. Um, and that's kind of buttressed the market up the last three or four days is, uh, is that there's an expectation that maybe they're going to be a big buyer of U.S. milk in the short run to appease Trump and, and keep him from changing his mind and putting tariffs on again. So those two things combined have really allowed this milk market to go back into the 17s. And, for, you know, that's a price that works for the dairy farm. You yeah. can make you can make money there. And so, you know, it's hard to know how much more upside there is based upon Mexico. But based upon production, you know, we think we're kind of nearing a, a, at least an interim top that, uh, you know, might hold for a while. So we're, we're thinking the, the rally is probably close to running its course for now. And we're probably set up for some kind of a summer correction. That would be our best guess at this point once the Mexican uh, – momentum wanes away okay yeah that's that's not what i wanted to hear you say sean i wanted to hear you say it was here forever never going back the way it was uh, at least until i got my chopper sold and then we could do something different right we're bullish later we are bullish later <laughs> we don't think it's the top we think it's a top but not the top right on so. right on i do you think just because of the way the corn the corn market's going to be that there's going to be a lot more competition for you know, corn silage than there than there might be for actual feed silage. I mean, do you think there's some? Do you think there might be a little competition there that where maybe feedlots are going to maybe open up a little bit and say, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll pay you a little bit more than we have in the past on some contracts, just to make sure we secure our feed for for our feedlots. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think looking at this weather situation, not knowing how it's going to turn out, but knowing it could be catastrophically bad, mm-hmm. you have to do whatever you have to do to ensure that you stay in business in case it turns out to be the worst case scenario. Right. We don't know if it will or won't, but this is not a year to mess around. It's not a year to mess around. And, you know, uh, you can buy calls all you want, but the feedlot can't feed the cows with calls. You have to feed the <laughs> feedlot with actual physical yeah. feed. Yeah. So, you know. So if you want to stay in business, you got to, and I so I absolutely believe that's going to be happening without a doubt, yeah. for sure. The yeah. other thing is, given how cheap wheat is yeah. relative to to corn right now, um, I mean, you know, as long as that stays the case, I mean, there's going to be a lot of low quality feed wheat uh, being uh, replaced uh, without a doubt right now. I mean, that's no doubt that's going to happen. So a lot of dynamics going on, uh, and and all of it's you know is more constructive. The grain market said it's been in quite some time because, you know, it's, uh, it's the corn market being what it is, there's a lot of tentacles that reverberate uh, through other markets. And, um, and it's all everyone's shifting gears and trying to figure out how to make this work. Um, and so it's an interesting summer. And, and, and if the worst case scenario does play out, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be you know, we haven't seen the uh, the end of the upside volatility. We would see a much bigger surge later in the year like we did in 1993. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So the other thing that follows wheat closely, um, since we're on that topic, um, you know, rice has a direct correlation to wheat. And, you know, we've had a lot of issues in the U.S. getting our, our the rice um, crop planted and because of being too wet and adversely on the other side of the world where there's large amounts of rice being planted, we're running into some, some dry spills over there. So talk about that that correlation between rice and wheat and, and which one do you th- is going to uh, is going to have a bigger impact on, on price? Well, right now it looks like the wheat market's going to go up first. Okay. Uh, with the wet weather in the U.S. continuing, with the dry weather in Russia. I mean, these are these are not two months down the road. These are clear, present danger right now, mm-hmm. next 30 days. It's happening. So it looks to us like the wheat market's going to lead. And, and, and we know that once wheat markets take off, it's just inevitable that the rice market follows um, because of the replacement. Uh, you know, wheat gets too high. Everybody goes, buys more rice. And, you know, there's a there's an interchangeable demand effect there. The other thing, though, you know, two months, three months from now is that the El Nino is here and we're getting a very, very aggressive response in the atmosphere. That's why it's been so wet in the U.S. It's, a, it's an exaggerated response, which we talked about in grand solar cycles. <coughs> El Nino, La Nina can amplify. Mm-hmm. So it means wet U.S., dry Asia, India, China, Southeast Asia, Indonesia. So we would expect an extremely dry response in Asia. And we think that that, as we move into that part of the cycle from July onward, we're going to start taking Asian rice production down for the first time in like five years, I think. And so so that's the next big thing for rice to us is to have Asia get into big weather problems, big weather trouble like it did back in 2015 when production came down, and to get the rice price in Asia to come off the bottom. We think that really, uh, you know, would be the next big thing for rice. And if that happens while the wheat market is taking off, you know, there could be a really, really big surge of rice. We already know the U.S. has had a lower acres. It, you know, yields are going to be down. We know South America had a terrible rice crop. So Western Hemisphere rice is tight as a drum. But Asia keeps suffering from this oversupply, and, you know, kind of like corn. Yeah. And it was 30 days ago. But we think that's going to be remedied. But it's, it's still... We think it's going to take till July for the market to react to that, but it's coming. It's mm-hmm. coming. Right on. Okay, so cotton. Cotton is one thing we've talked about here a few times, and a lot of it based around the fact that there's going to be, you know, we keep talking about, well, not going to be, but there's this uh, this this notion of uh, how we keep just barely missing these recessions. Um, every week it feels like there is a, a new chance for a recession to creep in or, or some something out there that kind of showed that a lot of it's trade-related. Um not just in the U.S., but around the world, is kind of slowing everything down um, just because of the way tariffs and everything work and what have you. So cotton is a direct correlator to what's what's happening out there in uh, in the marketplace as far as the economy goes because it, you know, everything it makes, clothes and so on and so forth. Cotton market's been on a pretty good run uh, for the last five, three, five years, something like that, three to five years. And, and now we're kind of seeing it. There's some, there's some volatility there um, that's showing, showing signs that it could be headed lower. So what's your, what's your take on the cotton market and um, where do you think it's going? Yeah, I mean, intermediate term, it's really hard to get excited about because industrial commodities, like you said, are going to have this headwind of demand being under pressure. And cotton is clearly one of those. Um, short term, however, you know, we, we, we have some interesting weather that's been going on in the southeast, like you said, with some very dry weather. And also, you know, the key area of 
India. India is a dominant producer and exporter of cotton. You know, we're looking at some very, very problematic weather in India. So we think weather could, could potentially cause a short-term bump in the market over the summer on, on weather concerns. But we think once that happens, you know, the, the overall weakness in the global economy will win out and we could see lower prices in the fall. So we're kind of short-term constructive, thinking we get a weather bounce. Um, but in the term, we still think prices are heading lower. We don't see the ability for the cotton market to overcome those kinds of economic headwinds, given its sensitivity uh, as an industrial commodity. So so short-term, like, like I said, we, we do think we could, you know, I think we're at 65 cents now on December contract. You know, maybe we could bump up to 70, 75 on some weather. But we think ultimately that's going to be uh, – a selling opportunity. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's jump over to protein complex. You look at, you see happening with uh, cattle markets kind of been here and there all over the place, really based around what happens with the, uh, with the stock market and the ups and downs that we're seeing there. Um, obviously the stock market goes up. There's a correlator to that when you look at beef um, along those lines. So it, a lot of volatility. Again, there's not a market that I, we have right now where there's not some volatility playing in the facts. What do you see happening in the cattle complex? And uh, how do you feel that that's uh, going to play out here heading into these uh, hopefully warm summer months? Well, we know we know the, the, the meat protein shortage is there. It's not going away. The problem is because of the trade tariff war, um, everyone else is getting the demand and we're not <laughs> for now. Now that can't go on forever, but it can go on for going long, long enough. Yeah. And and you know, we're, it's not like we're it's not like our production is down in the U.S. for hogs and cattle, I and mean, we're producing quite a bit of it. So so it's a timing issue. You know, how much longer can the world avoid buying uh, U.S. Uh, meat protein? Uh, the answer is probably not much longer. So we're we're kind of feeling, especially the cattle market, got completely washed out late last week. Um, and we think the, the limit up move we had on Monday was maybe a wake up call that the market is, be, is, is starting to show wanting to go upside potential now versus the, the, the just down, 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 like we've been seeing for all this time. So we're pretty constructive on that. Hogs is a little more problematic because, you know, without Chinese uh, you know, buying pork or without that you know, happening on a regular basis, it's, 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 it's a tough call to say that, that hogs in the 70 cent range or 80 cent range is. Is, is, is enough to the downside. We think there could be more downside there. Our smart money algorithm that we follow uh, has triggered a buy signal in cattle, which and it's not really, we've not gotten a lot of excitement on the hog market. So that tells us that there might be more downside to come or, or consolidation for hogs, but we think the cattle market's ready for some upside volatility, especially if it looks like, you know, that the, we're finally going to get some grilling going and some seasonal demand going, which kind of got pushed off because of the, the ridiculous spring that we had. So mm-hmm. right now we would be still bearish hogs, but thinking cattle can move higher here. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah that, uh, Memorial day weekend that it, it was like 50 degrees or whatever it was. <laughs> Rain didn't really make me want to go out and fire up the grill. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope that changes, man. I, I'm really looking forward to some warm weather. I mean, we need, we need some heat units out here where I'm at. Expect, oh, everybody needs heat units to get the corn that's been planted up and looking healthy. So um, hopefully we can keep that up and, and, and get that what we need. So um, just remember it because of the, we're so far behind and it's going to, looks like it's going to stay cooler than normal through July. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long, long growing season. I mean, we're going to be pollinating corn in September. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so, so this, you know, we're, we're going to have a long, long road here to figure out what's going to happen from normal. So, you know, the bottom line is, is that uh, we're going to be trading uh, a, a lot of volatility for a long time until we can get some answers. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get any answers until September, really. So, yeah. so that means that we're going to be on pins and needles. You know, whether oh things are looking better, they're going to crush the market. Oh, not so good. They're going to you know, like we saw yesterday, flip right. flop. It's going to be a lot of that. But ultimately, we think it's going to lead to an upside breakout. But it's it's going to be a lot of tr- frenetic trading in the short run, and that means uh, you know, as, as a someone has to buy corn or buy soybeans or buy wheat, use those downside volatilities to. You'll get coverage, and for those that are on the producer side, you know, use the upside volatility to sell. Um, you know, grain that you have to. Um, you know, that's the only thing you can do right now. Figuring out, you know, when it's going to move up or down, it's going to be very difficult. But just know that when you get a surge, just sell the surge for now until we get clarity. So yeah. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. There's always your your wealth of information, a lot of stuff going on out there. Folks want to reach out to you and get some more information about what you do or how you do it. How it, What's the best way for them to do that? Our, our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information there, videos, webinars, podcasts, uh, to see if what we do makes sense to them. All right on. And anyone that's out there, um, if you would like us to have a uh, Moving Iron podcast koozie, hit me up on Twitter. I'll send you. I'll send you what uh, set that I got out there. So um, I got yours, by the way. All right, man. You. Look at that. <laughs> the mail system does work. They actually go from Florida all or Nebraska all the way to Florida. Look at that. <clears throat> the stamp on it. The stamp on it was Camel Express. So I'm not sure how that got there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's it takes a while sometimes, but you know what? We're out here in uh, in God's country. So yes, you are, Sean. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Casey. Thanks. Bye. Moving higher in the 21st century.